Now, All Saints is a group that we met in Las Vegas at the Premium Cigar Association show. And we said, this is a lovely cigar. And then we went back a year later, and there, right there, was All Saints again, Mickey of All Saints. And we said, my gosh, this is a very tall tall man making a very lovely cigar and actually is a lovely cigar. And when we found out he was coming to Indiana to final third cigar in Ingalls, Indiana, which uh, by the way, even if you had a map would be a little bit hard to find. We said we would be there. So we came on out to Ingalls live at final third cigar, final third cigar.com. It's eat, drink, smoke. I'm Tony Katz. So that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker. Fingers Malloy. And no, Fingers Malloy did not have to tell the crowd to applaud. They did it spontaneously. <laughs> I tell you, Fingers Malloy smoking here the St. Francis, with which both you and I agree in, in the, in the uh, All Saints line, is, is probably our favorite. This is a six and a half uh, by 52, which means it's six and a half inches long. Tee-hee. Always makes Fingers Malloy laugh. And 52 is the ring gauge. So that's the diameter of the cigar, or basically how thick it is around. Tee-hee. Again, with the laughter. This is a box press. I'm a sucker for a box press. Uh, we both are. Uh, there's one tale that will tell you that the box press cigar is so you could put more cigars in a box for shipping, right? It was, a, it was an economic conversation. The, the tale that we stick to is that the cigar rollers in Cuba, when they were out there uh, rolling and the winds would come by, didn't want their cigar rolling off the table, so they flattened it out. And you get a box press cigar that does not roll when it's on the table. It's a much it's a much prettier story. It's fingers. It's a much more attractive tale. <laughs> it is. And a lot of times when we talk about a box press, I like to bring up that it's great for a golf course. You know, you're able to sit it down in the cart. If you're not one of these people, man, I, cart. I, I Yeah. You use do a I, cart. Do I look like I walk 18 holes? I don't. I am shocked. Yeah. I am shocked and stunned. I mean, but I'm not one of these guys. I, I saw footage of Mike Ditka the other day uh, golfing. And uh, while he was smoking a cigar and he had that thing right in his mouth while he was putting the whole nine yards, wouldn't drop it uh, for, off or anything. But uh, I don't think that this particular cigar is one that you would want on the golf course because it, it, it's 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 very good. And you would be really ticked off if you drop this in a sand trap. I, so but I think that this would actually be quite OK on, on, on a golf course. I don't think it's going to destroy you on, on price. I think the flavor is just enough to keep you excited, but isn't trying to play in these multi dimensions that really needs you to sit on the back deck and think about it. Now, this is an Ecuadorian Oscuro wrapper, Nicaraguan in the binder and the, and the filler. You would think in an Oscuro, big, bold dark, uh, luscious. Uh, in, in, in that way, I was first introduced uh, to Oscuros from Casa Magna. Uh, they had the Colorado and, 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 and the, the Oscuros that they had there. This is actually a beautiful wrapper, just a nice bit of oil to it, and almost, almost silky smooth. You don't feel the veining in this, right? A, a, a cigar, a wrapper, it's a leaf, and it has some veins in it. Sometimes you could feel it in your wrapper. You don't really feel them in, in this. You don't even actually see them in this. You see a lovely cut of the leaf fingers, yeah. but you're not actually seeing any of that veining going on. And it's a perfect weight. It doesn't have that wiffle ball bat effect that we talk about where they, the, the, the wiffle ball bat feels a little, it's a little light in the hand. Uh, it, it, it just feels good in the hand. It's got a, a very good draw, lots of pleasant smoke coming off of this stick. It's, it's, it's a home run. So this is one of those great examples of cigar manufacturers that you don't know the name of. And so it's why when a place like Final Third Cigars, FinalThirdCigar.com, or, or your local cigar lounge has a, a manufacturer, has a roller coming in, 
that you want to go and you want to be supportive. The fact that you haven't heard the name before is completely inconsequential to whether or not that cigar is worthwhile. It's worth your time. There are really and truly three or four names in cigars that you've heard of on a regular basis that are a part of your everyday, right? Arturo Fuente, for example, is, is, is one of those names. But after you get through your three or four, everything else is new and a mystery. Everything else is a name you didn't know until you were introduced to it and decided whether or not it was something in your humidor. And that's why when, when events like this happen and, and you've got the owner of the company like Mickey, from All Saints Cigars out here, you got to come, you got to say hello, you got to try it, and then you got to honestly take a look at what it is you liked or didn't like about it, which is why you got to get your, your notebook out. What did you eat that day? What did you drink that day? Uh, should we play What Did Fingers Eat Today? It'd be a pretty lame game this week. All right, just really quick. What did you eat today? Nothing. Really? Is this the second week in a row? Yeah. Are, are, you, are you on some kind of fad diet? Uh, yeah. Are you called, doing all cabbage soup? No, it's called the put down the fork diet. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, we're going to try that for a while instead of Atkins, uh, keto, the all cabbage diet, the lemonade cleanse. Just put down the fork. But you've done the lemonade cleanse. Yeah. We should be. So the lemonade cleanse, if you've never heard of it, is you take lemonade, right? And then you add not, cayenne. Well, it's not, it's not like Minute Maid or anything. You know, it's, it's lemons. And it's lemons water. And water. Yeah. It's no sugar. Uh, it is grade B maple syrup is the sweetness. Ah, yeah. grade B. That's the key. Grade B. I wouldn't know where to find such a thing. Would not even dawn on me to look for grade B. Uh, Can I have the second best syrup, please? <laughs> Said no one. Oh, that's a great name for a syrup. Second, second best, best syrup. <laughs> We're trying. I wanted the second best. Second best syrup. This isn't bad. And then and then it's cayenne. Yep. And then you drink it. Yes, for ten days. And and then you uh, that that's all you have. Other than some people have. Uh, uh, tea that uh, the, I can't remember the name of the tea, but it's supposed to. Oh, smooth mooth, I think is the name of the tea. And it, oh, none of this is healthy. You know what? I would rather you ate the stuff out of the convenience, <laughs> out, out, of, out of the machines. Beyonce says it's healthy. Oh, well, if Beyonce says it might. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't know we were quoting a medical doctor. Beyonce says it must be true. Uh, the St. Francis right here from All Saints Cigars. Fingers, you're just getting to the first third of this. What are you getting off this cigar? Cocoa, a little bit of pepper. Uh, it's that, that's it for now, but we just, we just lit this. So. Yeah. And I'm having, just because of the wind, we're actually outdoors. Uh, a bit of a crisp day, a fall day. I'm having a little bit of trouble keeping this thing uh, lit. You got to understand your environment. If you're in your normal cigar space and you're having troubles keeping things lit, then that could be a problem with the cigar. When you've got other things at play, you got to ask yourself, what are those things at play? So I'm going to I'm going to focus on 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 smoking a, a little bit here. Uh, we have had this cigar, uh, though, before uh, that that little bit of uh, cedar that's on there, a little bit of wood uh, that we get from this cigar. There is a, a, a touch of, of spice. It's just a. I think it's a nice presentation. It's a nice play. And I've never had one that had any draw issues whatsoever. That's how you bring it into the palate. You know, you're not inhaling a cigar. You're just bringing it into the palate, toasting the palate. You want to get the feel uh, for that all the way around. And it is, as you're doing it, fingers, uh, putting out some lovely smoke. The question is, is it in your humidor? And the prices vary from place to place between 12 and $13 a stick. All day, every day. All day, every day, and uh, it's it's just one of those. We, we've had several of these. I've never had a bad one. 
Right. It's always well constructed. Uh, never have a problem keeping it lit because that's that's so frustrating. This is supposed to be an enjoyable experience, and if you have to keep touching up your cigar over and over again, uh, that takes the pleasure out of it. And at that point, you just want to chuck it. I've never had a problem with one of these. There will be no chuckage uh, today. It is uh, the All Saints. St. Francis Cigar, and we're here at Final Third Cigars in Ingalls, uh, Indiana. We're going to talk to Mickey Pegg uh, of uh, All Saints and get his story, how this uh, came out. We've got news of the week, Fingers Malloy, we have to get to. Uh, and, and the people who came out here buying copies of the book Let's Go Bourbon, and we are getting ready to put out Let's Go Barbecue, which has been an absolutely hell of a book uh, to put out. I, I am hoping we get it out in time for the holidays, but we'll find out. Keep it here. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So Mickey Pegg is the mind behind All Saints Cigars. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke, everybody. How you doing? We are here live at Final Third Cigars, or we, we were live at Final Third Cigars in Ingalls, Indiana. Tony Katz and Fingers Malloy talking to Mickey Pegg. It is All Saints Cigars, guy who has a long history in cigars of Fingers Malloy. He was there with Davidoff. He was there with CAO, turning them in, into a real sales force, allowing them to, you know, uh, sell for the, for the big dollars, moved his way through cigars, then got out of cigars for a while, got into the world of financial planning, which, Fingers Malloy, you have never done. I put all of my money in a coffee can and bury it in the backyard. But he, a Mickey, much smarter than Fingers Malloy, with the money, and as he's doing this, this, this world of finances, cigars is where it's at, and says, I'm going to take my chance, take my shot, and as Mickey, as you were just telling us, if I'm going to put the hours in, I'm going to put it in for myself, that entrepreneurial spirit, which, right. which permeates all of, of the cigar world, uh, you start doing this in 2017, two years, uh, two and a half years before the world goes nuts vis-a-vis COVID, which isn't an easy way to start a, a brand. Take me through the 60-second summation there. Yeah, so it was talk about starting in 2017, there should have been enough alarms for me not to do this. Uh, so in 2017, me and my partner decided to put this money together, which was a substantial amount of money. And I was going to spend all my time in 2018 to be down in the factories in Nicaragua. Problem was, the political climate couldn't get us down there. So I, I had to uh, hold that off for a year. We still did a planning, and we still worked with our business plans. And uh, it, it was a blessing in disguise because when I was wholesaling uh, mutual funds, uh, basically I was selling Wall Street to, to financial planners, and they would sell those to business owners or high-wealth individuals. And I scored one of the biggest deals of my life. So I did one, in one deal, I did more than I did in the previous three years. And I said to my wife, we now have that buffer that uh, I can be broke for five years. And you and my three beautiful daughters can maintain the lifestyle. She goes, right. so, so that's, so that happened. So 2019, I get down there, I'm giddy, like a kid at a candy store, making all these visits down there, working down in the factory, working on these blends. Uh, and it takes about a year. So when you decide on a blend, when that, when that finalization comes, it takes anywhere from 10 to 12 months of aging. You've selected your wrapper. You've uh, selected the binder, selected the filler, right. the, the proportions they're in. Right. And once you've done that, it's a year. Yeah. You can get 10 months out of some, you know, but you don't want to get into, uh, you probably talk about this with bourbons and some of, you know, some of these accelerators that they're using now, like the ocean, you know, all that stuff. There's ways you can do that in the cigar, but you don't want to do it because it's not sustainable. What I was going to ask you is, you know, we're both big fans of, of the St. Francis. Talk about what went into creating this blend and how would you describe it? 
Yeah, so we had already had come out the dedication. Uh, we got a solid response almost right out of the gates. We got a 91 with Half Wheel. And I think we were the youngest company ever to get uh, even rated from Half Wheel. Uh, and I think it was just because my old days, I think they gave me a chance. So that re- and then doing podcasts and we're you know we're during that that pandemic lull right so that was a blend we worked on and we came to fruition with it and that has an escuro wrapper on it so that's going to have a higher priming that's where you get that dark color but as we know it all dark doesn't always mean it's going to be like a full in strength so I don't talk to body I talk to strength so when I talk to body I'm talking to flavor but when I talk to strength yeah it's about a six point five from one to ten and that's the feedback I get. Now, there's a tobacco in there that I really love to use, uh, and a lot of us use it because when you smoke cigars, you want to salivate, right? So you want that. You don't want to get cotton mouth. And there's one particular tobacco that a lot of people will put in there just just for salivation purposes, and it's really yields this, like, salt forward, and that's Condega. So that area uh, gives you a salt forward, and, and I think that and it's a little bit more prominent than most people would put in their cigar. Yeah. And, but the response has been tremendous. I have never found, talking to Mickey Pegg here of All Saints Cigars, you can find them online at allsaintscigars.com, um, I, I have not found it to be salty. Uh, so there, there are cigars that I have uh, felt that way, but you're, you're tapping into the, the conversation of the science of, of cigars, right? Yeah, how, so- how, as a blender, you go about figuring out what it is makes the flavor profile work. So take us through it. Here's the St. Francis. Well, I'm not going to tell you everything, but I'll give you enough. No, you got to tell us everything. All the trade secrets. We want bank account numbers. No, but I'm going to tell you, I would tell you enough that where you could even go out and start working on your own blends. All right. right, So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to do this. And, you know, some of these jackasses out there say they're a master blender. And you're not a master blender unless you're down there every day. It's just, it's it's an impossible. You just can't do it. Uh, And um, I'm I'm a blender. And I work with really talented people. The biggest thing you have to worry about, and there's all these offshoots from this conversation, is combustion. Com- so, be, so we all smoke fumitas. They're all got little different names. Well, they are these little rolled, very archaic-looking cigars, and it's only that region of that cigar. And like, I'll start smoking those before I go down to blend. And it's, and it's really critical. It's the thing to do because you want to get that muscle memory. That's what I say. Like, when these people say they're master blenders and, you know, they're not down in the factory, you can't. I mean, you've got to be working with this and tasting all day long. Um, and you go, wow, this with this, this would work. And you get a rhythm. And you start working with, like anybody would with any kind of thing they do with the recipe. You know, like people that make Italian gravy back home and all this other stuff. You start to get it. And then what happens is, you have a combustion issue because there's different densities in all in all the different tobacco leaves. There's different there's different capacities. There, there's some are delicate, some are tough. Uh, and but then if you take a tougher tobacco and you age it for a little bit longer, it's going to make that it's, it's going to ma- match up a little bit easier. There's also the things that do what we do uh, with the tobacco. Now I don't do. Uh, I look at it after it's gone through the process. I'm getting ready to talk. It's called pre-industry, and a lot of people don't really talk about that. Pre-industry, pre-industry. It's it's, it's a really archaic name. I don't. Even, I keep asking, well, how did this ever get this name? But I rather people just refer to it as fermentation. Somebody last night, and they're like fermentation. I'm like, no. Ten times this guy said it to me. I'm like, no. It's, just, it's just, just randomly screaming out fermentation. It is fermentation. Go ahead, fingers. Go ahead. Fermentation. There it is. Right. Yeah, it's just over and over again. I'm like, no, that's not what it is. By uh, the way, that's I, fingers. I, always safe word. Yeah. Fermentation. <laughs> I love it. 
So, uh, yeah, no, from that standpoint, yeah, so there's a lot that you can do with it. So you want, you, want to, you want the tobacco to breathe. Like So everybody talks about humidity. We actually refer to moisture. Moisture is more important. Having that conversation is more important to us than uh, actual humidity because humidity is what's on the outside that protects those oils on the inside. But the inside of that tobacco needs to have X amount of uh, oils to balance the pH and, and the oils. The, the flavors all come from the oils. Right. So... So you got to work with that. You got to work with that too. So it's um, and what you'll do sometimes when you're working the tobacco, you're putting moisture into it and taking it out. And you've heard people creating breathing rooms, so uh, like a breathing room for cigars. So it was it's really done a lot in Spain quite a bit. Is they put the cedar, uh, they put this in a cedar room, and they will shave it. They will dust it. They'll get the the, the shaving, and they will lower the humidity. Now I'm back to humidity. Up and down, up and down. And what that does, that makes that leaf breathe. So think about grapes and wines. If you know anything about that, or very little. They starve the grapes, right? They're trying right, to bring sure. that sugar, right? So that's all what you're doing with sometimes with the tobacco. And that's when you can get really some really dynamic things. And you probably heard Pete Johnson talk about this from Tatawahe quite a bit. Even in the movie we were in, it's... Um, it's uh, you know He talks about, like, if you give this same recipe... if I, if, It's like these chef shows. You put everybody, you put the same ingredients in front of everybody, you're going to get five different cigars. We like what you're doing, and uh, Thank we, you. we wish you me. the best. It's Mickey Pegg from All Saints Cigars. Thank Give you. Give him a hand. We've got more. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So we have talked very, very often about what's going on with the economy. We've talked supply chain. We've talked about how it's affecting all of us, how it's affecting every single industry, how it's affecting that car right out there. Including muscle cars. Very, very loud. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. Good to be with you guys here at Final Third Cigar. <laughs> Ingalls, Indiana. And so the, so there's the issue with what we're dealing with with the economy. And then there's the issue, as small business owners tell us all the time, they can't find people. It's impossible to find people. It's impossible to find people who will work. And there is now this real growing concern that, Many of us have already known about, many of us already had that the idea of production, the idea of people being productive, of creating, uh, of, of actually doing the work. You know, we've talked about quiet quitting before Fingers Malloy, uh, which is basically people doing the very minimum. Well, now there's this, this worry, this fear that, the, that less than the minimum is actually going on. Yeah. Uh, from NPR, Americans are becoming less productive and that's a risk to the economy. And you just touched on it. Uh, it has to do with quiet quitting, which uh, has been rebranded. We used to call it doing the bare minimum back in the day. Uh, back in the old school. Yeah, back in the old school. Now they, they call it quiet quitting, and this uh, phenomenon is, is, is really taking hold. And uh, according to uh, the latest data uh, that was released uh, by, uh, well, this is from NPR, the U.S. workforce is not as productive as it was just a year ago. So we're seeing production drop. So it is uh, sometimes things are, are correlation, right? You have less production actually happening because you have less goods you can actually get to produce the actual thing that cause and effect 
is 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 real. But the other part of it is is that you you create a society that doesn't actually have a pride in the work done. That we often hear about. Oh, I would never take that job. It's beneath me. I'm not going to take a job. We heard this about the millennial set. If I'm not getting X number of dollars a year, if I'm not getting three weeks of vacation, why don't I have a corner office? The people who are very upset that they may actually have to go back to the office in the post COVID world. All right, I haven't gone back to the office, but I produce something every single day with the, with the radio shows that I do and the videos uh, that that I do. How much of this is supply chain versus mindset? Because I'm with, we've discussed this before off the air numerous, numerous times. There is a mindset issue. If you believe that you are entitled versus an understanding that you have to work to get the, the, the reward, you're, you're, you're never, you're never going to get people who are, who are in, in a main creating value over the long term. Yeah, I think uh, some of it is attitude and it's either an unhappiness with the job or you're seeing a lot of pushback with employees who are being forced to go back to work actually to the office every day where they were you know, turning to their employers and saying, look, I'm just as productive at home as I am in the office. And the bosses are going, uh, no, you're, you're not really as productive at home as you are in the office. So I think a lot They're of- not. No. And, and so you're, you're seeing people, uh, you know, doing this 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 quiet quitting uh especially if they're they're being forced to go back in the office and uh it wasn't as big a risk say uh, a year ago doing this uh but you're starting to see companies cutting back on the workforce cutting back uh jobs laying people off to where maybe uh the uh the employment rate uh how easy it is to find a job it's not quite where it was a year ago and then people fall into this to this false sense of security they take a look at uh the unemployment rate which came out last last week and it says 3.5 percent it's down 0.2 percent you see everything's great the unemployment rate is not the number it's the labor force participation rate that's the number because the unemployment rate drops when people drop out of looking for a job when they when they are working multiple part-time jobs it may not be covering them uh, uh, as completely so that the number, this 3.5% really lies to America because it's just not, it, it, it's, it's not encompassing the, to- the total. But the other side of this coin is that, and you, you saw this story, Fingers, that out in California, the people who are leaving, and everybody has left California, and, and I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, I, I made it out and uh, went, went over the wall or, or you know, wherever, whatever road I took. I don't remember anymore. It's been a long time. Um, they're leaving because the money that they're making is just getting taxed away. Yeah. Uh, CNBC reports young people earning $100,000 or more are fleeing California and New York. Uh, and here's where they're going, Tony. Ingalls, Indiana. <laughs> If they had any brains whatsoever, I don't know if Ingalls actually wants uh, all of those people. They'll take maybe people outside of California. Yeah. And why are we abusing California and New York? Oh, that's right. They deserve it. There that's it is. right. That's I forgot well, for a some second. Some of these states, it actually kind of surprises me. Uh, number seven on the list, Arizona, which makes really, perfect sense. Yes. Perfect uh, sense. Right next door. Boom, bop, bip. North Carolina is number six. More temperate in in uh, the uh, the temperature and in, in the climate uh, there and also seen as a. Uh, as a younger, more joyous kind of spot where you can still get the beach and still get the mountains. So a touch of that California feel. Well, and this is a state you lived in at one time, New Jersey. At That's not happening. Well, wait, people moving out of New York could be moving to New Jersey, but they're still dealing with an insanity of taxes and insanity of regulations. Property taxes alone in New Jersey are, 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 I mean, if you talk about couples that work 
one person's income's purpose is to handle property taxes. <laughs> it's an obscenity of what New Jersey is. That's really rough stuff. But there are two positives to moving to New Jersey. One, you don't have to pump your own gas. Oh, well... <laughs> Uh, that is true. Uh, you know that's true. You, people pump the gas for you. And that, that by law, you're not allowed to pump your own gas in New Jersey. That's a real. That's a real thing. And the second, uh, you know, positive, you may meet. You may get to meet Snooky. <laughs> wow. The Snooky poll. Who <laughs> the Snooky poll? Yeah, is that what you just said. Tr- honestly, try try and get that on another podcast. <laughs> Good lord! A lot of people are leaving California and New York for Colorado. Makes That's number four. again perfect sense. Here's one that uh, again it, it, it's a little bit surprising. Number three on the list: Washington, Washington State, or Washington Wa- D.C. No, Washington State. Um, well, that see, that's also weird because you can argue that's a political move. California leans more to the left. Washington State leans more uh, to, 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 to the left. Maybe they just wanted to stay somewhere on the Pacific, somewhere on that West Coast. And so this was the option and the opportunity. I, I'm not 100% sure. But Washington is snooky free. So why go? Right. You know, you're by the way, they, that's part of their slogan. <laughs> Washington, snooky free. Number two on the list, no surprise, Florida. I love that one. I, I, I Leave all the politics aside. Florida works, and it is working, and it's working well. I, my parents live in Florida. My brother, the good, the good Dr. Katz, just moved down to Florida. Uh, I, I am not. I, I, I did my time in Florida, and, and great, wonderful place. We're on WDBO in Orlando. Love being on in Florida. Love visiting Florida, but I think I'm a guy who visits. Yeah. I, I don't. You spend time in Florida. You got some family yeah. down there. You do a little. By the way, you had some family. Has some family down in that Fort Myers Beach area. The house got hit, man. Yeah, it's. I've spent every spring break for the last twelve years down in uh, Fort Myers, and to see the devastation down there, it's it's just. Uh, it's so sad, and it's 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 not going to take weeks or months. It's going to take years for them to recover. Down That's, there. It's it really is unbelievable. We're still thinking of them. And number one, Texas. Number one is Texas. No, don't well, you live in Indiana? What are you applauding for? <laughs> My gosh, this crowd has been drinking a lot. Uh, I get I I get Texas, you know, and and we're KSEV in Houston. We're on in in Lubbock and and in Abilene. Love. Love the place, and of course, Whataburger. Can we get a hand for Whataburger? A little something. Um, Texas makes makes beautiful sense, uh, and and there there there's an interesting mix here because if we do look at it politically, there's a mix of left leaning states and right leaning states within this. But why would you if, if if the politics was the thing that was driving you out? Why would you end up going to a state that? kind of emulates and i mean that's just a question i'd love to get an answer to i think some people don't uh equate the politics to it they just oh things are getting expensive here i'm going to move somewhere where it's cheaper and they don't put uh two and two together new jersey and washington state or not well i guess it depends on where you are in washington new jersey definitely not but i guess it depends on where you are in washington smoking this saint francis from all saints cigars uh, uh this at at 12 14 dollars a stick Absolutely in my humidor, constantly, consistently, and the hospitality at Final Third Cigars, Finger Malloy. Absolutely fantastic. Just a terrific. We have got much more show. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Our new book, Let's Go Bourbon, the bourbon reader you've always needed, is now available on Amazon.com and our website, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Pick up a copy today.
Ah, good rye. That's what we needed. A good rye. Don't get me wrong. Bourbon makes me happy. But I have found through this show, I'm a rye guy. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. And that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker. They call him Johnny Good News. So true. It's Fingers Malloy. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. A rye is 51% rye in the mash bill. Those are the grains that you use to make, well, whatever it is, the juice that you're making, right? You got a bourbon, is 51% corn by law. A rye is 51% rye. And this, from Jefferson's Ocean, the Aged at Sea Double Barrel Rye Whiskey. It's voyage number 26, my good people. Better than Voyage 25, not as good as Voyage 27. I'm not even sure if there's been a Voyage 27, uh, but one can assume the Voyage 27 would be <laughs> exceptional. Jefferson's Ocean, I think, does absolutely remarkable work. This rye comes in at a 96 proof, double-barreled. It has no age statement. Sometimes you'll see a bourbon or a rye that says NAS. It means no age statement. Everything in it is going to be aged at least four years, but if they're putting some rise together, they put a no-age statement because they don't want you to know exactly how much of the youngest rye versus how much of the oldest rye. It, it's all marketing, people. What we care about is whether or not it is good. 96 proof here. Now, this, this, uh, this whole concept of aged at sea and the voyage. So normally, bourbon, rye... They, they put the juice in the barrel, and the barrel goes up in the rickhouse, right? And there it sits to age. Well, Jefferson's Ocean does the same thing, except they do it on the water. They do it in boats, and you're like, that's just a gimmick. Actually, a little bit less than a gimmick, a little bit more fascinating, because the theory is the boat's constantly moving. And so, therefore, the juice in the barrel is constantly moving, hitting different parts of the wood. So normally the reason it goes in, in, in the rick is that uh, you've got different temperatures and the juice is getting absorbed into the wood and then being expelled from the wood. And it's the wood that gives the flavor, that oak barrel that gives the flavor. So now you've got this constant movement. It's hitting all the parts of the barrel. So it, in, in theory, would give something unique. Now, is the product that they have here really different than something that they would have in the rick house? I don't know if I'm expert enough to tell you. I do know I like Jefferson's Ocean quite a bit, Fingers Malloy. Is it a cruise ship? Like it is a cruise ship. There is, there's Mickey and there's a, um, a not, not Mickey Peg from All Saints Cigars, a different Mickey. Mickey from down the street. We don't want to get sued by people with big ears. Uh, it, it, they've got a water slide. Oh, the oh. buffet. The buffet fingers. But it doesn't have a casino where they sell uh, Jefferson Ocean's uh, rye right there at the casino bar. If they don't, they really should. Uh, this is, I think, delicious. That nose right there with that classic rye spice going on and, and, and almost a bit of cola in the nose. Oh, not, not, not an alcohol, not an ethanol nose. And it, look how dark that is. Yeah. Look how that's beautiful into the, into a copper kind of look right there. What are you getting off the nose? I, it, I don't know if it's a, a light cinnamon, uh, but it's, it's definitely got the, the oak that you're talking about, the rye spice. And there's another sweetness there that I just, I just can't put my finger on, but it's very pleasant on the nose. Uh, some people uh, will, will note that this one uh, specifically has some rye that comes from Canada. You don't think less of it. 
Canadian don't. rye? It has a little bit of Canadian rye going on. Canadian sourced rye is how uh, I've seen it d- described, but that nose makes me happy. Yeah, it is very nice on the nose, very pleasant. And, you know, we have beautiful fall weather right now in central Indiana. Uh this this screams fall to me, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just the 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 seasons are playing tricks on me. No, that's that is that is a delicious nose. It is the Jefferson's Ocean Agency Rye Double Barrel Rye uh, Whiskey, which means it did two different barrels, giving it more oak, more opportunities to take in some wood. But fingers more less talking, more drinking. Are you ready for this, Tony? I've been ready for this all day. We start. It neat. That means no ice, no chips, no water, and we start it neat like that, and we do what's known as the Kentucky Chew, moving around the palate. Sometimes you want to do two sips. The first sip to kind of set the taste buds. The second sip to really get some flavors. Fingers Malloy, you were a little surprised by that at the first. Ooh. Not 100 proof. Really? Yeah. I'll, I'll, no, it, it has nothing to do with any kind of alcohol, ethanol note to it. Uh uh, there's a tad bit of citrus for me, but most of it is that rye spice that you would expect uh, mixed with oak. Uh, it's very good, but it does. it That spice hits you on the tongue, and uh, it, it packs a little bit of a wallop, at least for, for me, uh, but a very pleasant wallop. Uh, no burn going down. Uh, you know, 96 proof plays, plays right around there. Uh, enjoyable. And I think I'll be interested to see what you think because you're you're the rye guy at the table. I do enjoy a good rye. Here I go. The Jefferson's Ocean, aged at sea, double barrel rye whiskey to your health, fingers one. To my health, Tony Katz. He's going in. He's doing the Louisville lip. Hmm? I, I don't know. The Memphis munch. Louisville lip is actually the name of my bookie. There it is. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think it's an interesting thing you mentioned cinnamon before. I think that's a little bit of that happening, but that is so... And that goes away quickly. It's... It's 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 bready. It, there's a... It's bready. There's a, a little bit of a... Of a, of a of a sweetness going on, whether, whether you want to say that's, that's caramel or... I saw the guys from BreakingBourbon.com referred to it as like a toasted marshmallow. Like, that's not bad. Oh, hold on. Excuse me. You keep talking. He's going in for seconds, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, He's the rye guy here. He enjoys a good rye. And uh, this, to me, is shaping up to be a good rye. So I would assume that he's going to enjoy this. A little bit of spice on on the finish. A little bit? A little bit of spice on the finish. So there's, there's a part of me that says this needs a cube more than it needs oxygen. It needs a cube bad. I think that for some, like like we often question, is this a, a rye that would be for the table? Like, is a bourbon would be for the table? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Oh, that is really, really nice. It's heavier than I thought it would be. Okay. I'm surprised that that, that rye spice isn't hitting you the way it's hitting me. Here's my third sip. Oh, he's going in for thirds, ladies and gentlemen. This is, this is not something that he usually does. No, no. I don't even. I don't. There is no heat in the chest whatsoever. No burn going down at all. Nice coating uh, uh, of the tongue there. The Jefferson's Ocean Agency Rye Double Barrel Rye Whiskey. Man, that is that is good. Yeah, that is fine. It's much smoother than I thought. This is a super nice sipping rye right here. 
I want to move it to a cube, but I don't want to move it to a cube. I'm very, very conflicted, Fingers. Well, listen, it's your job, Tony. It's what to you're To pour another glass and put that on a cube? <laughs> well, you could do that, too. I could. There are no rules. But Fingers Malloy, is this in your liquor cabinet at $80 a bottle? Not sure at $80 a bottle, but it's something if I'm in the mood for a rye and I see it at my favorite lounge, I'm picking it out. I'm having, I'm having yeah, a glass. Yeah, $80 is a little, it's a little steep. But man, am I enjoying that. It's got, oh, that finish is lovely. Oh, I like. Try it for yourself. So there is nothing absolutely more stunning, more amazing, more shocking than the people who opened up a business during a pandemic. And fingers, we have seen that in the cigar world, this has happened repeatedly. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. Good to see you guys. Good to see everybody. Here at Final Third Cigar in Ingalls, Indiana. So if you want to know where Ingalls is, um, uh, uh, honestly, search engine, because I wouldn't quite know. I live here, not in Ingalls, but I live in Indiana. It takes about 40 minutes for me to get uh, here, uh, a little east and north of a place called Fortville that I, that I absolutely positively uh, love. But we know that, for example, in Indiana, the Mississinawa Cigar Company, they opened up during covid and Rob, Rob Boylan joins us right now, the owner of Final Third Cigar. Uh, you were working at a cigar lounge that opened kind of pre-COVID, yeah. uh, uh, south side of Indianapolis. And then you said, yeah, I can do this. And you opened in COVID. Um, yeah. What exactly is wrong with you? I just love this. Yeah, I, I just love this. I mean, I've, I've always loved cigars, love whiskey, and you know, during COVID, of course, you know, got sent home from my previous job to work from home. You know, fell in love with sitting out on the back patio, smoking cigars and drinking bourbon while I worked. And it was time to go ahead and, you know, stop being in the office and get out here and do it myself. So you, when you decide to open and you pick a place, uh, Ingalls is absolutely, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this. This is small town Indiana. It is. Yes. There, there's not even a question. And that is, that is something that people strive for. They want and, 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 and they desire. And you could uh, think of this as whatever small town America, uh, where, wherever people live and, and they're hearing the show, getting it at eatdrinksmokeshow.com, hearing it on, on the stations uh, th that were on. You didn't pick big population center what was it about Ingalls what was it about small town Indiana well, small town the America big things when I first started looking at opening a business was I wanted to come into a small community and help the community grow and um, honestly Ingalls wasn't on my map right away and um, we I live in a little town called Pendleton which is just down the road from here um, about the same distance from here to Fortville is to Pendleton and was looking there and really couldn't find anything and when this building came about, I'm like, you know, I don't know why I never thought about this, but it fits all the models that we were looking for. This was a gas station, wasn't it? It was back in the 60s, yeah. So when you take a look at this, because you, you had to redo every part of it. We're on your patio right now, which you had poured. You had the, 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 the roof built. You could yeah. use some heaters. I'm not lying. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I've but, got them. But how do, you, how, what do you, how do you vision it? How do you get yourself to say, you know what, this works and here's why? What was the here's why moment for you? Yeah, when we first saw the building, we walked in and I, it was just a blank slate. It was just an open building. And um, I, I, I had envisioned what we have here already at that point. And then when we started looking at adding a patio, it just made sense being out to this side. First of all, it's, it's you know visually appealing from the road. It's right out the side door here, so we're able to bring liquor out here on the patio. 
Um, and it just it just worked out well. We've always wanted an outdoor seating. I mean, Indiana, we have so many months you can sit outside and enjoy a cigar. We just wanted to be able to offer that for our customers. Now, when you when you built something like this in a small town, uh, it's new, and yeah. with that comes a, a lot of people who may not either smoked a cigar or don't know much uh, about cigar etiquette. Uh, can you talk a little bit uh, about what, uh, how a new person should behave in a cigar lounge? I've heard stories where, say, someone may grab a cigar, uh, lick the cap, and then use the community uh, cutter. Uh, big no-no. Yeah, don't uh, do that. Uh, <laughs> can, can, can you just talk, talk about some, maybe some Oh, tips he went for, right to the disgusting. <laughs> talk about some of the, uh, maybe some tips for new people when they come into a cigar Well, he's lounge. not really calling me out, but he's calling me out. So just so we know that. Oh, wow. No, he it's, doesn't. It's, it's happened before. But it's, it's just one of those things. What we like You here, don't do it. Oh, no, yeah. I don't do it. Well, you say, I was calling you out. It's no, like, no, 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 no I don't do it. But it's happened here. <laughs> But no, I mean, it's just one of those things where we, you know, we have a lot of younger clientele here. And what's nice is a lot of, a lot of younger people don't have a smoke cigars for a lot, a lot of years, obviously, because of their age. And it, it, we love to be able to educate in, in, you know, what's right, what, you know, teach about the cigars, teach about how to smoke cigars, how to enjoy them. And um, I, I have no problem at all helping people learn that process. And I really enjoy it, actually. And that's one of the challenges, isn't it, when it comes to when you have new people come in. Uh, so many people are worried about asking a dumb question or, or feeling silly. But when you're welcoming people into the cigar community, you, you have to drop your ego at the door. Yeah, to absolutely. be able to learn. Yeah, you do. And, you know, that's one of the things we try to be here is we try to be very customer focused and and really offer an experience. Not just, uh, you know, you don't just come in and grab a cigar and sit down. We want to engage the customers, get to know them, help them uh, develop their palate along with you know, pairing with a great bourbon or a cocktail. And um, that's that's just part of the fun of doing this. And I think a lot of times you go into a cigar lounge and and if you're especially if you're new in it, you don't feel really, you know, comfortable asking those questions and we really welcome those questions. Talking to Rob Boyland, he's the owner of Final Third Cigar in, in Ingalls, Indiana. One of the things that struck me is that this is an Aladino lounge. That's like the big name that you carry. Aladino yes. is JRE, Justo Aroa, who we absolutely love, love uh, the Same. family. Uh, the Aladino Cameroon is one of my absolute favorite uh, yeah. cigars that's out there. You have All Saints with you uh, today, coming out, Mickey Peg, All Saints Cigars, uh, doing an event here. So you're playing in the smaller names of cigars, even though Aroa is a very big name, this is the other brother, Justo uh, uh, Aroa, a great, great family there. Uh, was that purposeful? Yes. Or was that because of size and of newness, there's only so much you can do? And that's not a negative, that's just a, a recognition of, of marketing. Right. No, actually, we this is on purpose, because, um, I mean, in Indiana, I mean, as we all know, Indiana's a slow adopter to anything new. Um, what we really like to do is to bring in brands that maybe everyone doesn't know that we know are making great cigars and, and be able to introduce those to people to allow them to try something that maybe they've never tried. We do have some of the more legacy heritage brands out there as well, but we really do focus on brands like Aladino and Espinosa and All Saints Cigars. Some of these great brands that are coming up in the industry that we want people to be able to try that they may be able to get at the normal lounges or shops around here. What constitutes for you as a guy who is deciding what's in your humidor that really sets the tone for the lounge, what constitutes worthy of your humidor? I smoke every cigar, and it, it's got to be one that hits that may not just hit my palate taste-wise, but it has to be well-constructed. Um, 
And and honestly, the brands too. I get behind people, and if there's a if there's a brand and there's a people behind the brand that I that I really like, I really give them a shot to try to get in here and actually sell their cigars. Now, is it a challenge being a, a cigar lounge in a small town like this to be able to have events like we have here today with the All Saints cigars? Really, no. Um, I thought it would be a lot more. Um, like like you had said earlier, I was on the south side of Indianapolis in another lounge for a while, and coming up onto the north side and learning the clientele, learning you know the people up here, it helped me a lot on learning this. And now we're starting to grow, to gain that culture of having these events and people you know all coming out here to see you guys to see Mickey up here too. Um, I think it's just developing a new kind of culture up here that you don't see very often. Um, and we're trying to do more and more events that are not just your, your standard events to, to bring people out. You know, like you were talking about music earlier, you know, we love having our local musicians come in here and play to bring more people out to see something different. You may not have it in a normal cigar lounge. Rob Boyland, it is Final Third Cigar. That's singular, finalthirdcigar.com yep. is where you can find him. Come on out to Ingalls and, and check him out. Uh, check out the Aladino and check out the All Saints Cigars. Fantastic. Yes. Good to have you here. More coming up. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. The state of late night television has been a disaster for many years. And the reason is because of politics. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is Fingers Malloy. Now, you got to understand, both Fingers Malloy and I love late-night TV, revere late-night TV. If I have my way, Eat, Drink, Smoke will be a late-night show. This has always been... Uh, years ago, I did some, some sample episodes of something I called Tony Katz Tonight, and I was so bright, I did the first episodes during the middle of the day. And I called it Tony Katz tonight. Right idea, just bad execution is what took place right there. But I, I did do it. It has always been so much of, of a want. And even this show, uh, I want to do it as a, a late night talk show once a week. I mean, that, that, that's really it. Late night TV has become this unwatchable political hellscape. There's one point of view, and it's just boring. Late night hosts whether we're talking about Johnny, we're talking about uh, Conan, talking about Jay Leno, you engaged a, a, a skewering of all, of all of it, the left and the right and the middle and the absurdities. Uh, Craig Ferguson, uh, when, when he was doing, did a wonderful job of, of a lot of this, that they may have had a, a political bent, was secondary to the comedy now in the Kimmel, Seth Meyers, Stephen Colbert, and to a, a, an extent, Jimmy Fallon, what you have is one level of politics, one layer of politics, one attack mechanism, and it's not funny. It's lecturing. It is boring as sin. And both Fingers Malloy and I have lamented this for years. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my YouTube feed a lot of times is dominated by old Johnny Carson clips. Because I love Johnny Carson, and Johnny Carson was the king, and Johnny Carson did it right. And I know so many times when you have conversations like like this one, older people are, say, well, it ain't what it used to be. Well, it really ain't what it used to be. If you see the, the clips of how Johnny would do a monologue, you would never know who he voted for. Depending on an administration, he would if it's if it's Bill Clinton in office uh, or, or running for office, or Reagan's in office, or if it's Jimmy Carter, he's going to nail all of them the same way. And everybody appreciated that about 
Johnny Carson, and that's why his monologue was was must see TV. And now it's it's to the point where it feels like a lot of these late night shows have lost a lot of the country because it has become so partisan. And, and I think that's one of the main reasons why they have lost their audience. And because of that, what I think the real story is, it's become boring. It's not interesting. It doesn't move the needle. It is not culturally relevant when it really, really could be. Over at NBC, they're talking about a shakeup. And one of the things they're discussing is taking a the 10 p.m. national broadcast where they do news and bringing it back to local, handing it back to the affiliates. Well, a 10 p.m. national broadcast would be, you know, a lot of the times it would be the docudrama, you know, the, the do, like the Law and Order. Uh, oh, is that right? Yeah. So the, they're talking about eliminating the, those like 10 p.m. dramas and turning oh. and turning it over to local programming. So move that back to local where the affiliates get to make more money because that's how that works. Which means things like, for example, on NBC, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon would start at 10.30. So it would move things away from that 11.30 original start time. And as you pointed out, Fingers, that means they could be taking things like Seth Meyers and moving him over to the MSNBC side or their streaming service, Peacock. This makes sense because they generated $253 million in advertising revenue through the first six months of 2022, according to Outkick.com. That's down 16% from 2021. And Late Night with Seth Meyers did not reach $20 million. Wow. I mean, that's stunning. I know he's on 1230, but it's still absolutely stunning. It used to be a ca- when David Letterman hosted that show and then later Conan O'Brien. That was still a cash cow. And to see where it's gotten to where they're, they're thinking about eliminating the show altogether and putting it on st- a streaming service or MSNBC, that's just an amazing turn of events. So we know that James Corden, uh, who does The Late Late Show on CBS, he announced that he's leaving uh, the show. And so it's very possible it doesn't get replaced. Then you saw Trevor Noah leaving The Daily Show, and they had horrific ratings. I- Look, I don't like what Jon Stewart's doing right now. But even when I disagreed with him politically when he was doing The Daily Show, is there any question that The Daily Show was spectacularly well done? That The Daily Show is where so much of a generation actually got their news, for right or for wrong, that's where they got their news. It was culturally moving. Now, that was also in a time where there wasn't social media to compete with, and everybody decided to be their own host. Right. You know, isn't that what we're discussing? Uh, And isn't that what we do, basically, with with, with our careers? Uh, But this is... An incredible move, and to say that this is solely and exclusively because of the other mediums isn't true, because people tune into stuff that's interesting. People tune into stuff that's enjoyable. They tune into interviews that are real and valuable, and, 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 and you're connected to the, to, to the host and to the personalities, and, and there's no personality in late-night TV. No, and so much of what late-night TV was, it used to be an escape. It was an escape from... The political world and now it's it's almost as political as cable news and so people are tuning out the other thing that's interesting about this is uh even though a lot of these shows they're losing their audience on the network so much of what these shows are are focused on now is is youtube and being able to have viral youtube clicks and and conan o'brien was was big on that uh and you're seeing that you know jimmy jimmy uh fantlin has a, a decent YouTube presence. Uh, 
That show has 30 million YouTube subscribers. It's amazing. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, but you have to wonder how much. Obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but the the revenue generated from YouTube versus going out and having a successful show on the network and you know getting advertisers, uh, th- th- there probably isn't a comparison there with the revenue that they generate. But it's it's sad to see as as as, as someone who is you know uh, you know who grew up watching Carson and was really a, a late night with David Letterman fan to see where the the late night world is now is it's just it's just. Uh, a little bit depressing. So here's the question. Why haven't they learned? Why haven't they learned that this doesn't connect and make changes? Why haven't the networks made changes? It took them this long to do it? Or was that kind of talk in, in the hyper-politicized world? we got to be honest about this. It worked when Donald Trump was president, and it doesn't work when Donald Trump isn't president, and they haven't been able to figure out how to turn the corner on it because... They're still talking about Donald Trump, and that's just boring as hell. Yeah, it is. I I remember tuning into Saturday Night Live a, a, a few years ago, and they were doing Sarah Palin jokes, and I was like, "We're still doing Palin, really? This, yeah, this is what's happening here." Uh, I think it's arrogance. I think it, there's a, everybody thinks like they do. Yeah, everybody thinks what, like they do, and we're going to tell the audience what they like. Well, it's clear that the audience is saying we don't like this, and we're not watching it anymore, and the the ratings bear fruit on that. It's, it is to, to watch and to witness people not in, in, in a business not be able to make the turn. That's the part that amazes. It really does. So if this is the move that NBC needs to make, you know what? Maybe the days of late night are over. Maybe they are. But then again, maybe they're not. Maybe it is all on digital now. And I don't know if you need 30 million subscribers. What you need are, are people who are interested in what you're doing and willing to part with a couple of bucks a month to do it. And you have to change the, the, the scale of that economy to realize that the days of the hundreds of millions of dollars and being the only game in town are over. You have to be more competitive. And none of these people even try to be competitive. It is almost as if uh, uh, Colbert and, and Kimmel and Fallon, it's almost a level of, of to, to speak of it, in, in a geopolitical sense, detente. Yeah. Right? Nobody will go after anybody. This is just what we do, and it's fine, and it's good. It's fine, and it's good, and that's it. The Jefferson's Ocean, the rye, the aged at sea, the double barrel rye, man, $80. It's hard to put in my liquor cabinet, but it is wonderful. And All Saints, doing the St. Francis from All Saints Cigars, and our thanks to Mickey Pegg, and our thanks to Rob Boyland, and FinalThirdCigar.com for having us out. I do like what All Saints does, Fingers Malloy. I am a fan of it. We're going to get ourselves ready for Halloween and talk about that coming up next week. Thank you, guys. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. Follow Eat, Drink, Smoke on social media, on Twitter, at Go Eat, Drink, Smoke, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Eat, Drink, Smoke, and Instagram, at Eat, Drink, Smoke Podcast.